Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, girl, here we go. Here we go. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who was not on the GOP debate stage last night. Don't kid yourself. I couldn't even pass the background check to be there as a reporter, let alone a candidate. But guess what? We had eight Republicans throw down, and it was an absolute brawl. Somebody ought to belt you in the mouth. It was a wild one. We'll get into it. And I think the one takeaway you'd have, regardless of who you thought won it or who you stood out the most, was that anybody on that stage would have mopped the floor with Joe Biden. I agree with that. How could you not? 888-788-9910. If you want to be a part of today's show, Jason Chaffetz is going to be here because he's a former Utah congressman. He knows a lot of these candidates personally. Tudor Dixon is going to be weighing in as well. She, of course, uh, was in Milwaukee for the debate. She spoke to many of the candidates backstage. I think all of them, as a matter of fact. And we will quiz her on that and get her takes as well. But, of course, we will begin with some you and me time in this audio safe space for cool people where you can be a Republican, you can be a Democrat, you can be a Libertarian, you can be an Independent. All we ever ask is that you don't be a Happy Thursday, everybody. Uh, I am, just to give you a personal update, kicking off an absolutely insane bender today. Uh, in Just insane. We're doing this show. Okay. Then we have to tape a small segment because I'm hosting Fox News Saturday night this Saturday. But when that's over, I'm taping Gutfeld. I'll be on with Greg tonight with our lovable comedy dwarf. And then I have an hour, an hour exactly to get to JFK Airport, hand Jenny my Bronco so she can take it home and I can fly off to Vegas where I will be performing at the Green Valley Ranch tomorrow night with Kennedy. Still some seats left uh, to see the last stop of the summer for the Laughs and Liberty Tour. If you want to check it out, it is tomorrow night at the Green Valley Ranch in Las Vegas. When that show is over, after a couple of selfies and fist bumps in the lobby, I'm out of there, getting back on a plane, flying back to New York so I can host Fox News Saturday night. It is going to be an absolutely insane 48 hours for your radio buddy, and it's going to be a pretty nutty today. Okay, this show as a whole is very much going to reflect the spirit of what you watched last night. It was substantive. Uh, I felt like they did a good job, a good job of actually staying on message when it came to their issues. Yes, there were a lot of attacks. I want to get your take in the first few hours of the show. Who stood out? Who do you think won? 
Do you think it benefited Trump to skip this one? He, of course, did an interview with Tucker Carlson. Everyone's heard that story by now. Uh, He is, of course, turning himself in to be arrested today. Uh, He wants you to believe that that's a good optic for him. Um, I got to be honest with you. I don't agree. If only because in the general election, if you want to get female voters, suburban voters, swing voters, telling them this is me in handcuffs is probably not the way to win them back. I think he's got a point. Is he being wrongfully prosecuted? In my opinion, yes. I think this is a selective prosecution, if only because we've seen other high-profile politicians tell us elections were stolen. I'm Hillary Clinton, and I approve this message. Okay, we also saw something similar out of a woman who still considers herself to be the governor of Georgia, Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams is full of Totally, okay, but were either of them prosecuted for undermining faith in our elections? The answer would be no. So to be clear, just so we're all on the same page, I don't think Trump should be prosecuted for any of this. That being said, not a good look. It's not a good look to wait till prime time tonight to surrender so you can get all the media attention and suck all the oxygen out of the room because you're not sucking it out in the name of a good cause. He's not saving a baby from a burning house. You know what I'm saying? It's not finding a lost puppy out in the streets and returning it to some little girl. You know what I'm saying? Something like, here's your puppy. <coughs> He's actually getting printed and mugshotted. And while you say, well, he's bringing attention to the corruption at the DOJ, you understand, yes, in the Republican Party, we think the DOJ is corrupt. But in the Democratic Party, they don't think that. The swing voters see him going to jail and go, that's a criminal. They don't say, this is an injustice. We should vote for the guy to right the wrong. They just see a guy going to jail, which makes it a lot less likely that they're going to vote for the guy. So as we begin the show today, I will say this. Okay, nothing that happened on that stage last night put Trump's lead in any type of danger. It didn't. Guys had good moments. Okay, DeSantis was very good on policy. Wrong. No, he was. But I'm going to be honest. I opened yesterday's show by telling you it was a make or break night for DeSantis where he needed to show us a different side of him uh, than the one he was known for, which is strong on policy, a good governor, an effective you know, uh, conversationalist. But he needed to show us some type of an ability to connect with voters because that's been the big knock on his campaign. And i got to be honest, DeSantis. You got to do better than that. The guy went two hours without smiling. And I get you're trying to underscore the gravity of the situation. Country's a mess. Biden sucks. He's completely right. And DeSantis is the only guy on that stage with real deliverables on the issues they're debating. Okay, he has fired Soros prosecutors. He has defied COVID lockdowns and COVID vaccine mandates. He has kept his schools open and his cities safe and his streets safe. Okay, when Brett Baer pointed out rising crime in Florida last night, DeSantis was quick to correct him and go, yes, Miami has rising crime. The rest of the state has gotten it down uh, to major lows. He took credit. He split hairs. Okay, he's good at that. But in terms of an eight person debate, when they have a million options, one of whom is a guy they love named Donald Trump, you are to some extent engaged in a personality contest. And in that regard, I thought DeSantis fell very flat. (laughs) Didn't eliminate himself. It's not over. I think, to be honest with you, if the goal was to keep Glenn Youngkin and Brian Kemp from getting into the race, I think it was a victory for him. Because he wasn't so inept that all the donors are going to be like, we got to have somebody else. But if the goal was to establish himself as the clear cut front runner of the non-Trump crowd, I think he's got a long way to go. Okay, Nikki Haley had some moments. Vivek Ramaswamy had some moments. He probably won the relevance battle. 
which at this stage of the game is the best thing you could do, is get out there and be the guy that's getting talked about the most. Okay, and to his credit, Vivek made a lot of plays. Had moments, I got to be honest, where he looked inexperienced. His foreign policy is, you know, not the best. I've enjoyed talking to him on the show for the same reason some people enjoyed watching him last night. He's not speaking with a filter when he's calling out their involvement in, you know, government wars and things like that. Okay, but he is at times, you know, telling jokes and crosstalk that are contrived and not funny, and he's caught laughing at them, and it doesn't look terribly authentic. It makes him look smarmy. That being said, his policy is head and shoulders better than Joe Biden. Come on, man. No, I'm going to continue to say it. There was nobody on that stage last night. Nobody. Not even Chris Christie. There's a slob. There's a real slob. Maybe so. But Chris Christie, okay, he was strong. He went at it with Vivek. Okay, he stood his ground on a lot of issues. But the bigger point I took away from watching all of them is any of them would beat Biden in the general election. I, all right, let's, let me back this up a little bit because, yes, I said any of them would beat Biden in the general election. That is a fact check false. Talking to you, Asa Hutchinson. Asa Hutchinson, I don't doubt, is going to be glorious on Dancing with the Stars. He's a sweet man. He had no business being on that stage. It's a waste of time. Doug Burgum. Okay, I got to be honest, if the goal is to get the government trimmed down, you should start by showing us you can trim down your eyebrows. This is a superficial game. That stuff matters. I think when it came to policy, I gave DeSantis the win. I think when it came to relevance, I gave it to Ramaswamy. When I think it came to showing us a surprising level of grit, I gave it to Nikki Haley who looked like she was ready to belt Vivek a couple of times. Never hit anyone in anger unless you're absolutely sure you can get away with it. Okay, but this is reality. Okay, Trump didn't show up. Uh, It was not a total loss for him because no one stole this thing in such a level that we're like, well, that's it for Trump. We like the new guy. Trump is firmly in the lead. If he was up 50 points going into last night, he'll be up 35 to 40 points going into the next debate. Okay, that's just the way it is. The indictments aren't hurting him. He has a fortified base. But the go forward now is that in skipping a debate, we got the Democratic National Committee to tell us yesterday Biden may not participate in any debates at all, might not even participate in the general. Why? Because they're using Trump's willingness to skip a debate as a license for Biden to skip the debate as well. And this is where Trump commits errors when he makes everything all about him that make life easier for his opponents. Bill Barr said this on the show last week. He said, Mr. President, you're a bull. They know how to get you to charge. They're going to continue to get you to charge till one day you're going to be sweating in the middle of the ring out of breath, and they're going to put a sword right through your skull. When he said that on the radio last week, he was looking in my eyes, and i got to be honest with you, it horrified me. I got a bad feeling about this. It genuinely scared me. I was like, ooh, it chilled me. But that's what's going on here. There are people trying to destroy Trump. And they're using any means they can to deny him power. Most of those means are Trump's own words and deeds. So in skipping the debate, Donald Trump made it more likely that we won't see anyone debate Joe Biden in the general election. That's a liability if you want to win this, you know, country back. Because Biden being on a debate stage for two hours, oh, my God, be a disaster. This man needs a retirement home and a warm bowl of soup. Seriously, but if they can keep hiding him. They get away with a lot, like they did in the midterms, okay? But could you imagine you get two hours of this? You know, the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with, uh, with uh, I don't know. Uh, 
So let me give you a little bit of went on. Let me give you some of the highlights uh, of what we watched last night. I thought foreign policy was probably the best moment for Nikki Haley, if we were talking about it. I thought the economy, which is the number one issue facing voters, okay, the number one issue facing voters is the economy. It's number one for Republicans. It's number one for Democrats. I also thought Nikki Haley got the win there. Okay, Tim Scott, a guy I like a lot, did a good job of running it between the tackles. He didn't overwhelm them and take them to charm school the way he, we've seen him do on this show. He didn't. Okay, to be honest with you, I think a Tim Scott, Nikki Haley ticket is unbeatable in the general election. But I don't know that they could get the nomination between them. But I think they'd absolutely be unbeatable because they take away the identity politics lane from the Democrats. And they're both very sound advocates, not only for the country, but for their policies, their accomplishments and the reality that they live in as minorities. At a time when the Democrats constantly tell us people in 2023 are oppressed just the way they were in 1823. Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. But whereas like Vivek made some waves by calling people puppets and, you know, they're sponsored by super PACs. Okay, everybody on that stage was okay. But where I thought Nikki Haley got an edge was when she was talking about spending, which, to be clear, is the number one issue in this election. And she was willing to call out Republicans as well as Democrats. Here it is, clip nine. Well, I don't care about polls. What I care about the fact is that no one is telling the American people the truth. The truth is that Biden didn't do this to us. Our Republicans did this to us, too. When they passed that $2.2 trillion COVID stimulus bill, they left us with 90 million people on Medicaid, 42 million people on food stamps. No one has told you how to fix it. I'll tell you how to fix it. They need to stop the spending. They need to stop the borrowing. They need to eliminate the earmarks that the Republicans brought back in. And they need to make sure they understand these are taxpayer dollars. It's not their dollars. I admire your honesty. And you have to. Because that's the truth. Everybody, when the two parties trade powers, they trade playbooks. So when the Republicans were in office, the Democrats were like, oh, they're spending out of control. All this COVID money. Trump's added to the deficit. Meanwhile, if he wasn't spending on COVID, they would have been like, we're all going to die. He won't even spend enough money on COVID. Democrats are so full of crap. Totally. But so is Nikki Haley, because the Republicans get out of office and they become the do you believe all the money they're spending? This is crazy. Come on, man. But then what do they do when the spending comes to their district? They vote for Joe Biden's infrastructure bill. Okay, a lot of them voted for the Inflation Reduction Act, and it added to our deficit at a time when we're $31 trillion in debt. That is financial lunacy. And the only way to get it under control is to have somebody willing to call it out in both parties. So there's a lot of metrics through which you could grade the debate. Okay, who had the best policy? Who had the best funny moment? Who had the best back and forth put down insult? We'll get into some of those in the next break. But when it comes to facing the issue head on that's affecting the most Americans, she had the best answer. If you go through the racks of possible debate answers on the economy, the first three are Nikki Haley's. Here's one of hers talking about Trump. Clip 10. And while they're all saying this, you have Ron DeSantis, you've got Tim Scott, you've got Mike Pence. They all voted to raise the debt. And Donald Trump added eight trillion to our debt. And our kids are never going to forgive us for this. And so at the end of the day, you look at the 2024 budget, Republicans asked for $7.4 billion in earmarks. Democrats asked for $2.8 billion. So you tell me who are the big spenders. I think it's time for an accountant in the White House. Whoa! Nikki Haley going hard for that presidential bid 
because I'm pretty sure that last clip just ended any shot she had of being Trump's VP. Uh, get her out. Get her out of here. You're listening to the best dad on the radio. Can't believe you forgot my birthday. You're with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. All right, this one's for the fellas who want to tap the brakes on the aging process. How do you do that, Jimbo? We're talking about Nugenics Total T. Okay, every day that passes by is a day that you lose testosterone, which means less muscle, less energy, less get up and go in the bedroom. That doesn't sound any fun. But are you really ready to lose your shape, your muscle, maybe even in your energy? You don't have to. Okay, you can slow it down with Nugenics Total T. Nugenics Total T, it'll boost free and total testosterone, and it'll help you get the old fire back at work, in the gym, in the bedroom. How about it? Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster has Testafin, which will boost your testosterone. You know, the man hormone. How about more of that? You can try Nugenics Total T before you buy. There's nothing to lose, everything to gain. Now get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T when you text 231-231 and enter the the keyword Jimmy. Text now. You'll get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo X, the newest and most powerful fat incinerator ever, with key ingredients to help you lose fat fast and get lean fast. It is absolutely free. Your complimentary sample available to you if you text 231-231 and enter keyword Jimmy. It's 231-231 and you enter the keyword Jimmy. Texting enrolls you in a recurring automated text messages. Consent not required to purchase. Message and data rates may apply. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I got a shout out a Twitter listener. We encourage dissent on this show. My man Charles Root, if you're out there, Charles writes, Jimmy Fallon, you are so wrong on Nikki World Cop Haley. Foreign policy stuck in 1970 with her. Fiscally responsible, but that little war hen can't wait to send more tax dollars into the overseas war machine. Now, Charles, to be specific, Uh, I was praising her for her work on the economy and calling out both parties for their runaway spending. But you're not wrong to say uh, she has that relationship with the war machine. And I think Vivek was well within his rights for calling it out. I do. But when it comes to the number one issue facing us, she has most of the best sound bites. I'll give you one from DeSantis, which I thought was one of his strongest moments of the night because it allowed him to showcase not just fiscal responsibility and a commitment to smaller government, but the fact that the bloated COVID expenditures wouldn't have happened if you took the Florida approach to this uh, that was taken by the federal government. This is clip 13. Why are we in this mess? Part of it and a major reason is because how this federal government handed COVID-19 by locking down this economy. It was a mistake. It should have never happened. And in Florida, we led the country out of lockdown. We kept our state free and open. And I can tell you this, as your president, I will never let the deep state bureaucrats lock you down. You don't take somebody like Fauci and coddle him. You bring Fauci in, you sit him down, and you say, Anthony, you are fired. Whoa. This guy will say anything. No, I thought that was a good soundbite for him because it was all the bloated COVID expenditures that are being used against the Republicans now. I mean, the truth is Trump was, you need to know this, a phenomenal jobs creating president because he slashed regulations he slashed slashed taxes and spurred record levels of growth in our country he doesn't get credit for that on the back of his baseball card 
because in following Fauci's guide to shut down the economy, they wound up losing 10 million jobs. It was artificial, you see. Okay, but he left with an economy that wasn't nearly as robust as the one he presided over prior to COVID. So because of that, Biden gets out there and makes the claim that he's created. I've created 12 million jobs is what I've done. No, he hasn't. 10 million of the jobs Joe Biden lays claim to are jobs that have been recovered from reopening the economy. He knows what he's talking about. But they still get to engage in that bait and switch. But look at all the jobs I created. They wouldn't have been there to be recovered had they not been lost in the first place. So when it comes to the spending and when it comes to the economic recovery, okay, DeSantis didn't need to do either because he left things open. So for that, he deserves a win. Okay, will he smile at the podium? Knowing him, probably not, man. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Here's a media takeaway of last night's debate. This is a little bit of an MSNBC meltdown. We also got some commentary from CNN. CNN is the worst. Here it is, clip one. You don't need Donald Trump to be in a debate to have a show there, right? So, I mean, it was complete train wreck. I thought that there was so much theatrics uh, on the stage, and some of that is intentional. I'm not sure what any of them are running for. Burgum, I think his name is, seemed like <laughs> a bored rich guy who said, you know what, I got nothing better to do. Ramaswamy certainly, I think, was the dominant figure in the debate, but he took up the most airtime. It sort of felt like he was the snappy podcast host, and it was yes. his podcast, <laughs> and everybody else was his guest. <laughs> I'm surrounded by idiots. She's not wrong there, though. Uh, He did a great job of winning the relevance battle. He was the most searched candidate on Google during the debate, which surprises me because I don't think anyone know who Asa Asa Hutchinson is. I thought he'd get some Googles, but he wasn't even interesting enough to inspire a search. But the truth is the Democrats are doing in this moment what liberal media does, which is they're giving their audience permission to to not take any of it serious. See, what they do for a living over on MSNBC, CNN's kind of the same, is is they're just selling, um, it's really bizarre, okay, but they're selling a moral superiority and a confirmation bias to their viewers at all times. Every time you turn on MSNBC, they're just there to remind you that you know better than the Republicans, these dumb, racist, misogynist, dirtbag Republicans who don't care about women or minorities. Tune this out altogether. You're a better person. That's what they do. Their whole entire audience is self-hating white people, white liberals. The truth is, on a substantive level, that was a phenomenal debate, a better debate than we've had on policy in, I don't know, my lifetime, because there's always been a degree of sensationalism. I mean, if you remember the first Trump debate against uh, Joe Biden— They debated two times in 2020. I don't remember that ever happening. But it did. Uh, For the first one, that was the one where Trump took too much Adderall, literally, and just curb stomped everybody. Chris, uh, you know, Biden, Chris Wallace, nobody could get a word in. He looked angry. He was vicious. 
everyone got mad at Chris Wallace because obviously you hated Chris Wallace and I good reason to if you were a Trump supporter. But that was actually a bad look for Trump the first time around. The second time around, uh, when he debated Biden, again, so much of it was sensationalism. They were talking about Trump's behavior. They were talking about, to be clear, in the second debate, Hunter Biden's behavior. Hunter's a dirtbag. And if you remember, it was being dismissed. The moderators were like, oh, that's debunked. The Hunter Biden, that's not a thing. (laughs) But that's what they did. So those debates weren't very policy-driven. Uh, They very much dabbled in sensationalism. Now, to be clear, they should have been talking Hunter Biden because we now know everything about the story was real. But even so, what they did last night when they weren't taking shots at each other is they articulated like real positions, like actual solutions in a lot of instances to problems. I mean, Nikki Haley's take on abortion is something that probably resonated with every woman watching the debate because she gave it back to Mike Pence a little bit. You know, Mike Pence is unapologetically pro-life, and obviously you support that. You know, a lot of you listening in the audience do. Uh, but what Nikki was speaking to is the feasibility, okay? You need 60 Senate seats to make certain unilateral sweeping changes at the federal level on abortion. The Republicans have not had them in 100 years, which means getting up there and saying something like, Pence, I'm going to, you know— I'm going to stand for life. Oh, good. I applaud that. Okay, but we're going to implement these bans, and we're, this is not where we compromise. I get it, and I get why you'd feel that way on a principled level. But the reality is you have to get to 60 seats, okay, in order to have that type of latitude. And you're not going to get to 50 seats if that's your policy. That's the problem. And we learned that in the midterms. These issues are a give and take. When you give the individual rights to the state, your hope is – Okay, voters are going to choose to pass stricter abortion bans. You don't want it criminalized. Okay, if that's the starting spot in negotiation, you're not going to move the needle your way. That's true. That is true. Here was here was Haley uh, with one of her stronger moments. Clip 17. I am unapologetically pro-life, not because the Republican Party tells me to be. But because my husband was adopted and I had trouble having both of my children, so I'm surrounded by blessings. Having said that, we need to stop demonizing this issue. Be honest with the American people. We haven't had 45 pro-life senators in over 100 years, so no Republican president can ban abortions any more than a Democrat president could ban all those state laws. Don't make women feel like they have to decide on this issue when you know we don't have 60 Senate votes in the House. Seventy percent of the American people support legislation but to ban abortion of the after Senate a baby is capable not. of experiencing okay. pain. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. That was a good back and forth because I absolutely respect Pence's principled position on this. And he was the reason, to be honest with you, so you understand, Mike Pence, the reason Donald Trump got to become president. Okay, he was able to convince evangelicals who wanted nothing to do with a guy divorced with as many side chicks as Trump had, a guy who was literally in the news for sleeping with a porn star at the time. Oh, yes, I've read about that in the Bible. But the point is, okay, the evangelicals wanted no part of consolidating their support behind Donald Trump in the 2016 primaries. His appointment as vice president, Mike Pence's, is what actually sealed that for Trump. 
Pence convinced evangelicals Trump would be a pro-life president. He would support uh, pro-life justices on the bench if he was put in a position to choose. And lo and behold, Trump delivered not one, not two, but three conservative justices. Pound for pound, as Supreme Court appointments go, Trump was a goldmine for the evangelical movement. So you understand, okay, Mike Pence, for as much hell as he catches from conservatives and from Trump, okay, really is the only reason Trump's president. He couldn't have won without consolidating the evangelical support. So Pence deserves that credit. But what Nikki Haley is speaking to in this divide between policy and persuasion, okay, yes, you want to, you know, you want these really strict abortion bans, okay? And I don't support an abortion if the baby can feel pain. I certainly don't support the barbaric practice of aborting babies at 38 weeks and 40 weeks like you're getting out of Democrats. Jen Psaki caught holy hell last night because she tweeted during the debate, okay, that no Democrat supports late-term abortion. Psaki sucks. Kaylee was so much better. But understand, she's lying, okay, because there were literal laws passed in, say, Colorado. Okay, that allow abortion to be legal right up until birth. Okay, Joe Biden, now as a good Catholic boy he claims to be, supports all the late term abortion that the rest of the Democrats do. So we absolutely need to impose limits on abortion. Okay, but what Nikki Haley is saying is you're not going to get in a position to do so if your starting point in the negotiation is we're banning everything. Okay, that's where she's speaking to the reality of the situation. Now, she also took some shots at the spending by the Republican Party, which I told you was good. And I wanted to give you one other take out of the Republicans that I found to be interesting. Okay, this is Vivek Ramaswamy talking about foreign policy. This was the good news. Okay, he gets into a dust up from here. Clip six. I think that this is disastrous that we are protecting against an invasion across somebody else's border when we should use those same military resources to prevent across the invasion of our own southern border here in the United States of America. We are driving Russia further into China's hands. The Russia-China alliance is the single greatest threat we face. And I find it offensive that we have professional politicians on the stage that will make a pilgrimage to Kiev, to their Pope, Zelensky, without doing the same thing for people in Maui or the south side of Chicago or Kensington. I mean, listen, he's not wrong. How many people have flown over to Zelensky, like it's Coachella, to get the selfie? Many of whom aren't going anywhere near the Mauis or the East Palestine, Ohio's of the world. Not going anywhere near it. Okay. And, you know, you get that familiar feeling a lot right now. Welcome to the Biden administration. Home to the new slogan, America last. So in that regard, I thought he had a good answer on foreign policy. The dust up that ensued about his experience uh, with him, Vivek and Nikki Haley, got a little ugly. This is clip seven. A win for Russia is a win for China. We have to know that. Ukraine is the first line of defense for us. And the problem that Vivek doesn't understand is he wants to hand Ukraine to Russia. He wants to let China eat Taiwan. He wants to go and stop funding Israel. You don't do that to friends. What you do instead is you have the backs of your friends. Ukraine is a front line of defense. Putin has said if Russia, once Russia takes Ukraine, Poland and the Baltics are next. That's a world war. We're trying to prevent war. This guy is a murderer, and you are choosing a murderer over, over a pro-American country. I wish you well in your future career on the boards of Lockheed and Raytheon. You know, I'm not on 
but the, the fact of the matter, and you know, Boeing you came off of it, but you've been pushing this lie. Stage, you've been pushing this lie all week, Nikki. You want Nikki. to go and defund Israel? Just, you want to okay, give let me address that. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm going to address that. You have your watch. You want to make America less safe. You have no foreign policy experience, and it shows. And you know what? The foreign policy experience. I'll break you in half like a little toothpick. She roughed him up good there. She got the applause break on the way out. Now, listen, Vivek does a good job of being in the moment. But Nikki Haley, for her, those were some of her stronger moments. I mean, I think if I was if I was analyzing this from who really whose performance aged the best, it was probably hers. Uh, Tim Scott is the guy I like who I think gives the Republicans the best chance of winning. It's Tim Scott. He did what DeSantis did. He ran it through the tackle, the, the tackles. There weren't a lot of wow moments because they really didn't get into the issues that are his strong suits. Like they didn't talk race and the fact that the Democrats never stopped playing the race card, which would have been something unique to have discussed by a guy like Tim Scott, who represents the best version of our American story. You know, but that being said, Scott had some moments as well. But the truth is him and DeSantis, you know. They didn't hurt them, their standings, but they didn't take a pronounced leap forward. I think Nikki Haley took a big leap forward. I don't know if insulting Trump and his spending is going to get her thrown off the ticket. It certainly seems that way from here. But Jonathan's in Chicago. He knows things. Yo, Jonathan. Hey, what's up, Jimmy? My man. Uh, I'm, I'm going good, but did Nikki Haley just get herself thrown off Celebrity Apprentice? <laughs> no, man, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think she's going to get fired for that. And uh, I mean, I, I had to chuckle when you said that, just because I, I couldn't help but think back to when Kamala Harris, you know, yep. without directly saying it, called Biden a rapist on the yep. debate stage. Yep. And now she gets to be the most, you know, the most useless vice president since, uh, <laughs> you know, since Thomas Marshall. You know. Um, and <laughs> You know what I mean? Yes. So, um, you know, and, and she might wake up one day thinking that Biden died and she's the president, too. So they, they might get to get to share that role. too. How, how crazy. Um, well, there's the thing. Biden is but, more uh, Biden's more of a politician and that he's just doing what they told him. Hey, shut up. Take this girl. She called you a racist and a rapist, but she'll give you a chance to win. He'll shut up and take it. I think it's a little more personal for Trump. That'd be my only concern. Yeah, I mean, I, but then again, I feel like Trump's base. They appreciate the, uh, the, the the boisterous person who's not afraid to speak their mind, you know, fair, and fair. they've worked together in the past, you know, and I, I think she I, I absolutely agree that I think out of last the last night was a great debate. It I was. really enjoyed watching it. Um, and I think that, yeah, she she was definitely I think Vivek was the most memorable. But I think in terms of who stood their ground and had the best shots, I, I think she she was definitely the, the front runner coming out of that. She did. It was a, it was a strong night, man. It's going to be interesting to see how the polls move. Um, we've got a minute till the next debates. They're on Fox business. But I definitely think there is no way Trump sits out the next one. I think the field will be smaller. And I don't think he wants to keep giving them this much stage time. Because they had good moments, man. Like, if you watch Nikki Haley, you had to come away thinking she'd beat Biden. I mean, I felt the same way about DeSantis. And I didn't think he had a great night. He didn't smile once. But I still looked at him. And if you you put him on a stage next to Biden, he's still going to look more formidable. I still think he'd win. So. Yeah, I, I think a wet noodle right now would probably look more formidable <laughs> than, uh, than Biden on the stage. I mean, I'm just like, it's, listen, it's just as sad. Listen, you, you, know? you lay off him. Joe went through a lot this week. He almost lost his Corvette. He almost lost his cat. So what? They burnt down oh the whole God. town of Lahaina. Has anyone thought about his pain? The ice cream shop closed at 830 the other night instead of 9. Put yourself in issues, Joe. Yeah, I mean, 
the, the audacity of somebody to not think about him. You oh, know, I let's know. think about the little guy, you know. <laughs> What a he is such a dirtbag. It's like we make fun of him for being old and doddering, but the truth is he's just a terrible person. Like not speaking to his son's grandkid like that's a tell, you know. Doing the stuff he yeah. does in Maui, that's a tell. He's actually just a dirtbag, you know. It's like we make a lot of excuses for the guy, but at some point we have to own the truth, you know. He's a politician, you Thank know. You. He is he is the stereotypical politician, and I mean, you're talking about owning something. I mean, at what point do we, the American people, kind of just say, "Hey, you know what? This guy didn't happen out of nowhere. We keep putting yep. him there. We keep Thank putting you. people like him there." And, and everyone, know? everyone needs to know you're saying this as you drive through Illinois, which is the most liberal place on the planet. So if you can see it, everyone else needs to focus a little bit. All right, dude. Brother, here's the thing, man, and this is what I wish everybody sees about Illinois. We are a deeply red state. Outside of Chicago and Springfield, we are a red state. And you travel an hour outside of Chicago suburbs, you get some of the most hardworking, conservative, good people that you will find in this country. Yep, 100%. And that's the problem. You get a city that ruins it for you. But outside of that, you're right. And I was just, I just drove through your whole freaking state. We went to Reagan's hometown, had a good hangout there. And uh, I will tell you this, you know, uh, whatchamacallit, where were we in Tampico? Is that where that, is that where we were? I think we were in Tampico, Illinois, me and Kennedy. But the point is, anyway, you, Illinois gets a bad rap because of its cities, just the way New York does. Like New York City overshadows like Long Island, which is like 90% conservative, you know? So. I don't know, man. Uh, I think your analysis on Nikki Haley is sound, and I will factor it. I will put it under the record. We're going to take some more calls as the show goes on, but so far you're in a good spot. You're in the clubhouse with the lead, Jonathan. Be well. 888-788-9910. Back after this. A show so good, people don't know what to think. This feels weird. Are you sure this is legal? I don't know. It's fun, though, isn't it? Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, girl, it is Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon, reachable to you, the listener, at 888-788-9910. Former Utah Congressman Jason Chaffetz coming up in the next hour. We're also going to talk to Tudor Dixon with their opening act down in Hedgesville, West Virginia. George is on the line. Yo, George! Hey, Jimmy, how you doing? Doing a good job here today for you. Oh, thanks, I want to help you out with one little remembrance, okay? Let's get him. I think the Republicans can have a unified winning position on abortion. I think Nikki Haley was right to call Pence out last night. But do you remember in uh, September of 22, a few months after the Dobbs decision, Chuck Schumer brought up the abortion bill for the Senate to vote on, Mm -hmm. and the media kind of hid what was in it. But uh, there were several Democrats who said, I cannot support that. The number of Democrats yep. did not want that bill brought up because it was a 39 weeks plus abortion yep. vote. Yeah. No, that position is insane. It is insane. And and also when a baby's already born, if you talk about preemie babies that are born, if you can focus on the issue of life, it's life. Mm-hmm. And it really doesn't matter whether the baby's in the womb or out of the womb. If you can make the focus on we need to protect human life, and uh, once the baby's born, we can. everyone, I hope, yep. would agree that that baby should not be terminated. A hundred percent, and I think that's where she actually has the best, the most appealing position because I think she'd agree with she you does. on all of that. Um, so that she, was a win for her. You know, on, on the whole, who did you think had the best night? 
Oh boy, it was I. I, I Santos did better than I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I like Tim Scott because he's respectful. Yeah. I thought uh, Pence was rude and kept cutting in and overran yeah. his time. I didn't like yeah. that. Yeah, Pence was. I mean, you know, Pence was wasting our time. It was nice to see him. I don't know that you'll see him at the next one. Uh, but let's see you again, George. Great call as always. Uh, back with the legendary Jason Chaffetz after this. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is. There it is. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world. I say it every day. We are numero uno. Are we playing championship ball at the moment? The answer would be no. No. Uh, The leadership in Washington right now, my goodness gracious, uh, our country is being run by people who have no idea what they're doing. I'm Kamala Harris, and I approve this message. Of course, the guy leading in the polls to replace Joe Biden is turning himself in for his fourth indictment and arrest down in the state of Georgia this evening. What the hell is the world coming to? I do not know, but we will try to figure it out in this hour with help from Jason Chaffetz, former Utah congressman, Fox News contributor, your fine self as well. Uh, We will take your calls, text, tweets, and carrier pigeons. Send a smoke signal if Elizabeth Warren happens to be listed. We don't care. Everybody's welcome. It is an all-skate. We don't care what you think politically. You don't have to agree with me. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what color you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how dumb you are. I say it like a hundred times a day on the show, man. Be a Republican. Be a Democrat. Just don't be a There it is. As we motor on. Uh, So here's the word on the street about the Trump arrest. Okay, as of now, Fulton County, they still do uh, expect to mugshot him when he turns himself in today. It's people with a dirty mind that think like that. We saw the parade of mugshots yesterday, the Rudy Giuliani's, the Sidney Powell's. Uh, Arresting lawyers is new. That's not something that traditionally goes on in this country. And I think we are entering dangerous territory here. Banana Republic stuff. We've never indicted a president once in the 247-year history of the country. We've now indicted Trump four times. Okay, you've heard me say this before. By the time it's over, he's going to get charged with child neglect for failing to help Kevin McAllister in Home Alone 2. Okay, it's gotten a little crazy. And again, I'm one of those people that will be honest with you. Trump has very much contributed to the situation he finds himself in right now. Yes, he has. But can someone draw a major legal distinction between his behavior and that of, say, oh, I don't know, Hillary Clinton in 2024, maybe? Okay, if telling me that saying an election is stolen is grounds for an arrest, okay, let's start here. As I've been telling candidates who have come to see me, you can run the best campaign. You can even become the nominee. And you can have the election stolen from you. Do you agree that Donald Trump is, in effect, not a legitimate president? I think that there's no question that the process that elected him was not legitimate. The president-elect, although legally elected, is not legitimate. Donald Trump is an illegitimate president. I think the interference, although not yet quantified, uh, if fully investigated, would show that Trump didn't actually win the election in 2016. So do you believe President Trump is an illegitimate president? Based on what I just said, which I can't retract. (laughs) (laughs) Trump knows he's an illegitimate president who got illegitimate foreign help. Then you're crazy. I mean, she's crazy. She's nuts. But if you think that's okay, you know, I mean, because we're talking about a massive double standard. Stacey Abrams gave you, what, three years of saying they stole the election in Georgia? I mean, no charges. 
So in that regard, it is absolutely hypocritical. It absolutely looks like a double standard. But if the goal for Trump here is to win the general election, I'm telling you his move tonight to defer his ele- his arrest to primetime is not a winning strategy. Oh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. The reason I say this to you, just so you guys understand, okay, you, you, I have to be honest with you. Okay, no political party is counting on me to steer your vote one way or the other because I just don't have any interest in doing that. Okay, that's not, I'm not an activist. I'm just a talk show host. I always wanted to be a talk show host. When I was a little kid, I thought this would be like the coolest job in the world, and it is if you do it like a talk show host. If I've got to get on here every night and just tell you what you want to hear but blind you to the realities that you're facing, I'm not actually helping you. I'm not actually having a good impact on your life. Okay, so I'm trying to give you real perspective. Okay, Trump to win the general election needs to do so much better with women than he did in the last one. He needs to do so much better with independents and liberal swing voters than he did in the last one. He cannot win the election without improving in those areas. Now, I'm not a political strategist. I'm not. But understand, in the history of political strategy, it has never benefited a candidate to get indicted once let alone four times. What can I tell you, kid? You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. So part of the challenge for Trump, something Bill Barr talked about on the show, is he wants everything in the world to be about him. Like even skipping the debate. He didn't just skip the debate and stay home. He did his own interview, and then he truth social all night, and then he truth social all morning, and now he's going to go get arrested in prime time. It's always about him. Okay, again, when that works, when it serves his purpose, he's fighting back. I get it. It works. But you have to understand there is such a thing as mission creep. There is such a thing as a fatigue, okay, that the voters outgrow of just being embroiled in drama every day, okay? People want a presidency that's going to focus on deliverables for the American people. He did such a great job of that in his first term. But the reason the Democrats want him to be the nominee so bad is because it allows them to spend the entire election cycle talking about January 6th instead of talking about how the Democrats have failed the American people. I'm telling you, that boy's a genius. No, that's it. That's the playbook. That is Trump is the guy. The Democrats, I talk to strategists, I know candidates, they would do anything to make him the nominee. Anything. Because you'd rather, it's very easy to convince people that Trump has been a bad boy. He tweets crazy things. He says crazy things. It's very easy. That's an easy sale for them. Okay, much harder sale if it's Tim Scott, if it's Nikki Haley, if it's Ron DeSantis. Much harder sale. Okay, but to just get out there and say orange man bad, they've run that play for eight years. They know how to run it. It makes their job very easy, and the ratings are a lot better on TV if he's around. So that's their motivation. Okay, but when we talked about last night's debate, they were asked to raise their hands over whether or not they would pardon Donald Trump. Vivek Ramaswamy said right away he would pardon Donald Trump. Oddly enough, Donald Trump commended him at the end of the night as the best guy on the debate stage. Hmm, something interesting. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? I think you understand what's going on here. So, you know, Vivek very much campaigning to be a Trump VP or something in his orbit. And uh, obviously Trump liking that show of support from Vivek saying he'd pardon Trump. And the truth is, you know, barring any new evidence that we don't already have at our disposal, Joe Biden should pardon Trump if he gets convicted. I'm dead serious. If you really cared about uniting the country and restoring faith in our justice system, 
a goodwill gesture like that would be, you know, my goodness, the legacy that would give a guy like Joe Biden as a uniter instead of the exact opposite. He vowed, if you remember, I'm going to vote, excuse me, I'm going to govern for all Americans, whether they voted for me or not. Not even close. Dude, come on. It's firing Republicans that didn't want to take the vaccine. He called them semi-fascists. Never even heard of the word before. No, they're semi-fascists. Okay. Everything that comes out of his mouth is the MAGA this or the MAGA, the MAGA Republicans, everything he does. Okay, Biden completely full of it. But you understand if he was committed to unifying the country, Biden would be talking about pardoning Trump, and that would put the whole thing to bed. The problem is Biden can't talk about pardoning Trump because Biden wants to run against Trump. That is correct. Okay, because if Trump's the nominee, here's a newsflash, Joe Biden doesn't have to campaign. Trump gives Joe Biden another COVID variant election. What I mean by that is Trump is going to be on trial from now until early 2025. If every single day there's a new damaging headline out of the courtroom about Donald Trump, then we wind up back to where we were in 2020 with Biden sitting at home while the media spends all day reacting to the negative Trump headlines in the case of COVID in 2020, this time around in the case of the criminal court. And that allows the media to be the campaign surrogates for Joe Biden. The media is a bunch of losers. But they're good at their job. Okay, you understand the media didn't get the Hunter Biden laptop story wrong. They just flat out went out there and killed the story because they knew it was damaging to Biden. That's just how white folks will do you. But you understand they want to maintain some credibility. So the minute the election was over, the New York Times, the Washington Post, they ran right out there. And they were like, oh, actually, yeah, it turns out we got this one wrong. The laptop was real. That's why I don't read the newspaper. Because it's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. But you understand, like Russian collusion, they didn't get it wrong. Getting it wrong would imply that they were trying to get it right. Bingo. They weren't trying to get it right. Okay? They were intentionally misleading the public. That's what's going on right now. But they're good at that. Okay, Trump's negatives are at 64 percent right now. 64 percent of the country won't vote for the guy. I'm not. Listen, I'm not telling you not to vote for Trump. Okay, we didn't think he could win in 2016 and he won. My job is not to tell you how to vote. I'm just trying to have a reasoned conversation with you. 64 percent of the country won't vote for the guy. He's about to go to jail on national television because someone told him that's a good strategy. That's stupid. Use your common sense. You know, all the people going to jail, too. They told him it's a good strategy. That's what they told them. Thank you for the education, gentlemen. We've just received a Ph.D. in stupidity. So let me give you this, okay, because he ran right out, okay? Vivek ran right out. Yeah, pardon Trump, okay? DeSantis, give you a little more measured take here. Christie said lock him up, throw away the key, basically. We can't normalize his behavior. He was booed like crazy. Uh, Here's the Christie clip, clip 14. Here's the bottom line. Someone's got to stop normalizing this conduct, Okay, now and now whether or not whether or not you believe that the criminal charges are right or wrong, the conduct is beneath the office of president of the United States. And, you know, this is the great thing about this country. Booing is allowed, but it doesn't change the truth. It doesn't change the truth. This guy will say anything. I mean, they hate Trump, really. He's had it with Christie now. There's a slob. There's a real slob. But, I mean, understand, okay, the point Christie's trying to make is not a bad point. 
it's that you can try to convince yourself the rest of the country is fine with Trump's behavior. But if 64 percent of them won't vote for the guy, like you're lying to yourself is what I'm saying. Doesn't mean you can't win the election. I'm not telling you not to vote for him again. It's not my job. Here is DeSantis trying to give you a more measured take because he doesn't want to alienate the Trump support. But at the same time, he doesn't want to be stuck co-signing the guy's behavior in the general election. Here it is. Clip 15. Do you believe that Mike Pence did the right thing on January 6th? So here's what we need to do. We need to end the weaponization of these federal agents. Right. But that's not I will do that. That's not the question. Here, I, I know, but here's the thing. This the election <laughs> is not about January 6th of 2021. It's about January 20th of 2025, when the next president is going to take office. I know what the Democrats would like to do. They want to talk about all these other issues, but we've got to focus on your future. We've got to focus on reversing the decline of our country. Right. Right. I learned in the military, I was assigned uh, with U.S. Navy SEALs in Iraq, that you focus on the mission above all else. You can't get distracted. So Republicans, we've got to look forward and we've got to make sure that we're bringing the message that can win in November 2020. Solid answer. Little bit of a food fight. Uh, but he made it work. The truth is, yeah, he's going to pardon Trump if Trump was convicted would be my guess. But talking about January 6th is not a winning message for the Republicans is the larger point that he's trying to make. You're absolutely right. You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. Oh, girl. It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. Everybody in the world is heading down to Atlanta right now to watch Donald Trump turn himself in. Joining us now is the one person who went the other way. Yeah, I got to tell. How about that? Co-founder of Based Politics, good friend of my pal, Brad Palumbo. Oh, we love BP. Uh, The lovely and talented Hannah Cox is in the house. Hey, girl. Hey, it's good to be here. Uh, Yes, I saw your partner more recently, uh, Palumbo, and his family out in Holland, Michigan. Mm -hmm. Fabulous town. Yeah, I haven't been up there to visit them yet. They just relocated, I think, about a year and a half ago. Is so that witness protection? What's that about? I need to visit. He's got his his partner is a doctor, so okay. they, his residency they, took them. But there. there was such sweet people that, like, as a New Yorker, you know how we suspect sweetness. Yeah, we don't embrace it. We're like, oh, this guy just took my social security. Right, something. <laughs> something's up. It's pa- suspicious. Palumbo's family was so sweet. I was like, <laughs> all right, well, I, I'm getting robbed. Okay, <laughs> apparently. Uh, but you guys, of course, uh, have a libertarian take on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Having watched the debate last night, did anything pop out at you as a libertarian? Hmm. I mean, nothing good, I guess. I think it <laughs> 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 wasn't a ton to love. I mean, you know, there was a little bit of good anti-war comments from Vivek and yeah. from, I mean, a little bit from DeSantis, not yeah. as strong as I would have liked to have seen. Mm-hmm. I thought Vivek probably had the most libertarian statements on things like the administrative state. Yeah. But, you know, as a whole, I feel like the GOP has just been rapidly moving away from the principles that we used to share of free market capitalism yep. and a truly limited government. Isn't it weird how the parties have gotten away from what class? Classically defined them like I gave Nikki Haley credit for one answer. She called out the Republicans for spending, mm-hmm. you know, which is true. But yeah. no one ever says it is that they love to spend money. Oh, my right. God. You know, so for that, I gave her credit. But it is fascinating because we say that about the left, too. They like classic free speech liberals are now like censorship, you know, regi- regimes, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's a big word for a guy with my accent. You know, well, I mean, you can just look at the response to the song, right? Richmond out of, yeah, of yeah. Richmond. And people are saying this is a right wing song. And it's about the struggles of the working class. And you're like, I thought that was a whole Democratic Yo, plank. What? I say this all the time. That would have been like a Springsteen song, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm really confused. I'm, I'm, they're, they're just moving. They're switching. Nothing makes sense anymore. There's Oliver no Anthony 
would have 10 years ago might have opened the DNC with that song. Exactly. Isn't exactly. that nuts? It makes absolutely no sense to me. They are they're rapidly just switching on every policy out there, so it's it's hard to keep up with where they're going. Bananas is what it is. Hannah Cox is in the house. She is the president and co-founder of Base Politics. That matters. That's exciting stuff. Um, I think the challenge right now, obviously, for the Republicans is if you're trying to put a dent in Trump's lead, I don't think any of them did that last night. But let me just talk quick strategy with you. We have like three minutes to do this. It goes too fast. Like, I'm, I'm complaining. I, we need a constitutional amendment. Mm-hmm. But the fact that, obviously, he's getting arrested tonight in prime time by choice, which I think, you know, he likes to make it about him and he likes the heat. But if you're really trying to convert, like, swing voters and liberals, I don't know that it's a good move to be like, well, I'm going to jail. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not the best. That's what I mean. Point. I think it's bad strategy. I think he should have turned himself in at 6 a.m. And this is what makes no sense about what's happening in the Republican uh-huh. Party right now is he has absolutely no chance of winning a general election. I, say, I say that. And the Democrats, they, they'll openly tell you, we are praying for him to be the nomination. It's the only way Biden wins because uh-huh. Biden's also very unpopular. But I also think there is no way he doesn't win the nomination of yeah. the party. And that just shows you how far apart the core yeah. base of the GOP is from the mainstream. Dude, they're in a tough spot right now. Because this is the thing, okay, all of them, uh, they're in the race. They want to win. They do not want him to be the nominee. Mm-hmm. But none of them, it's like NASCAR. Sometimes, like, a driver doesn't want to pull out of the lane and gun it, you know, because he doesn't want to get boxed out of the draft. In this case, the draft is Trump's base. No one wants to step out and just attack him right. because they don't want to alienate that base. Mm-hmm. But the truth is you're not going con- to close the gap unless you take the fight to him. Yeah, and the only person I really saw do that strongly last night was Chris Christie, right? Yeah. Everybody else just kind of like pussyfooting around it. Yeah, and yeah. It's weird, especially DeSantis, right? DeSantis uh-huh. is trying to run as the more stable option yeah. for Trump, and yet he won't take any swings at Trump. And it, it doesn't seem like no. a winning calculation to me at all. It's so weird. Like they're all – it's like he was mocking them as like this was a Grand Prix to be his VP. But that's all it is unless someone starts taking shots. At most. At most. And I don't even think that he's – I think at this point Trump's too mad at him. I don't even think he has a shot at that. So no. I no chance. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing. I don't know that there was a VP on the stage last night. Like I didn't – maybe Haley. But, I mean, she even took a few shots at him about spending and stuff. And now she's talking about his behavior today in the morning shows. Uh-huh. But I don't know. You know I, who he likes? Who? He likes Tim Scott. He does a little bit, right? He does. He respects him. South Carolina He, does, he doesn't guy. come for his throat. And I think that's smart because Tim Scott's very, very respected and yes. very well liked. And I don't think he can get the nomination, but Ooh. I think he might be a VP contender. This way you have Hannah Cox on the show, base politics. She knows things. <laughs> Pick up on some things. No, I'm, I'm sharp, sharp, keen, keen analysis. Uh, let's do this again. Absolutely. Good luck in New York today. Thanks so much. <laughs> good to be here and I'm in Atlanta. I know. <laughs> good for you. The great Hannah Cox. There she goes. It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon, fired up to bring on one of my buddies, uh, superstar Fox News contributor, frequent fan favorite as a guest host on this very program, uh, Jason Chaffetz, host of the Jason in the House podcast. On Fox News podcast, he returns to the show. There he is. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, uh, post-debate analysis. So, you know, it's like uh, in gymnastics after they do their routine and then they go into the kiss and cry room and they score yeah. the routines, yeah. the somersaults and stuff like that. we got a lot of scores to hand out today. So I have a question for you. Though, oh, Chaffetz. Let's go. So the the uh, gymnasts walk out on the stage. They're all wearing what, – what was the, what the dress code? Did, you, <laughs> did they all have to wear – the bright red tie? Every single one of Nikki them. Nikki Haley obviously didn't. Uh-huh. But every one of them, white shirt, 
Red tie. I thought, wait, what? Is this a restaurant? Like, what? Did you want to see some outfits from the Jimmy Fallon collection? Some of my overweight figure skater looks? You're trying to stand out. Oh, I agree. So do you just wear the same tie as not, everybody else? Not me. I think somebody even could have went with a lighter color blazer. Throw on a powder blue. Do something that pops. You know, it's lack of imagination at that level. No patterns. You know what happens, Chaffetz, for real? It's called paralysis from analysis. Paralysis by analysis. You have too many people focus grouping every inch of your existence. Yeah. And the only way to make all of them happy to reach a consensus is to do something boring. That's what happens. I can tell you this. On big projects I've worked on, even Hollywood projects, if two people work on it, it comes out great. If 22 people work on it, you get last night. By, by committee? That's since, what you get. Like, Oh, come on. That, Somebody wear a blue tie for goodness that's, sake. But that's, in, in a nutshell, though, that is big government as a whole. Yeah. There's too many too many chefs in the kitchen. It was embarrassing. I thought, mm-hmm. oh, come on. Do they all really have a red tie? <laughs> well, listen, man. They had a lot. Even they, Brett Bear had a red tie, yes, right? Yes, he did. Brett Bear had a, hit a great moment last night where he like he shushed the crowd. He's like, I'll turn this bus around. <laughs> he turned I around. was like, are they going to boo him? Are yeah. they going to? Yeah. But they're like, oh, sorry, Brett. They respected Brett. Sorry, Brett. They did. They did. He um, look, cred. He's like a, he's weird. Brett is like a gangster rapper. You know, they don't you don't realize it. But he can rap. Yes, that's what I mean. He can give it to you. He, he actually can. When I heard Brett Bear rap, I thought, all right, that was impressive. No, there's a guy with skills. Yeah. The, the man's skills. Yeah, yeah. Jason Chaffetz is in the house. Go ahead. Take it. Uh, I, I like steadiness. Uh-huh. I like principles. Uh-huh. Um, I I thought as a one, two, mm-hmm. I thought it was Governor Ron DeSantis number in the one spot. Mm-hmm. And number two was Senator Tim Scott. Fair. Because I like I like the steadiness. The the conventional wisdom going into this thing is everybody's going to attack Ron DeSantis, but they didn't. They went after Vivek Ramaswamy, who had some great moments. Mm-hmm. I thought he had some really bad moments. He had a lot of smarmy moments. Yeah, they were just a little head. too snarky. Yeah, I thought so too. I agree with that. Um, I I don't I don't think you like most objective observers walked away from that being like, oh, he could be president. I think DeSantis and Scott ran it between the tackles very effectively. Honestly, I don't. I don't know if they're focus grouping him. He should smile more. DeSantis should smile more. Like the critique. It's not in his DNA. I know, but that's not good because right now he's competing in America's Got Talent. He is for for better or for worse. People want a story. They want a warmth. They want a reason to get behind you. Like what Vivek is doing is good because he's winning the war on relevance. Right. But what he's the guy is a candidate, and I've had him on the show. Is he's not winning? There's no way. Okay, so I thought, you know, from a policy standpoint, I said at the top of the show, I thought DeSantis had the strongest night from a policy standpoint. He did. He did. I think from a reality TV standpoint, I'd probably put him third. Um, Nikki had some good moments. She had some strong moments, a couple of dust-ups with Vivek. But I also thought she did Pence a favor, maybe the party a favor, by giving it some direction on what their pro-life argument should be. Right. Because they're never getting 60 senators. Ever in the, the, the country we're living in right now. That is an honest assessment of of where we are today. Uh Uh-huh. The UFO question. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, now that's maybe what Jimmy would have asked. Thank you. That's what I would have thought. I, I thought uh-huh. he would have asked everybody that question. Well, right? it's funny. When Martha was on the show last week, I said we should, you should be asking questions like some pop culture things. Maybe a favorite song, a favorite movie, because we talked about Tim Scott being a big Rocky Three fan. And uh, maybe we influenced her decision to lead with the Richmond North of Richmond question. I don't yeah. know that. I mean, it wouldn't ever that be was... confirmed. But it was a good way to come into the point of conversation, which is like this is a because you had song. to know the song, yeah. and, and and again, Ron DeSantis, he knew it, and yeah. he hit that one out of the park. I yes, thought. he did. And then Vivek ripped off an Obama line. 
<laughs> he's yeah. like, who's the skinny guy with the funny looking name? And then the big guy, he said he, said he was Obama. <laughs> yes. So that was a good dust up. But let's talk strategy. I think, you know, at the end of the day last night, some good nights for people. I don't think the needle is going to move for any of them. I think Trump is still, you know, so firmly in command. But I want to talk about Trump's strategy because we were just discussing this with Hannah Cox. I know Trump loves you know, omnipotence is his superpower. Media omnipotence is his superpower. So he loves the idea of getting arrested in primetime tonight. But if I was his strategist and I'm trying to court like swing voters and women and stuff, I don't know that getting arrested on national TV is a win for you. Well, you've already done that. <laughs> it's also old. That's a rerun at this point. <laughs> The world is so crazy. <laughs> I mean, everybody wants to see the mugshot. And yeah, yeah. Two days later, 24 hours later, we're going to see the T-shirts. Yep. And oh, the money that's going to be made. You know how many printing presses are lined up right they've now? They've already begun. Yeah. The- He's actually had to move the classified documents out of the way at Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> so he can start printing. I think they should be in the shot. Oh. I think that would be good. <laughs> the boxes tipped I mean, over. Loves a spectacle. The only guy who, like, flew Adam head-on was Christie, but he's probably wasting his time. Can we go in? I want to go yeah. back to the classified documents. Yeah, let's go. Give it to me. You know, can you picture what that looks like, right? Remember, uh-huh. they released all these pictures. The funniest part to me is they had a box that was spilled over. But if you look at what actually was in those boxes, it was like pictures and clippings from newspapers. There was yeah. nothing classified no. about it. Okay. And that was the FBI saying, look, look at all these classified ah, documents. I, he was in the New York Times. That's my favorite thing in the world is that they're telling you, like, this guy needs to die in prison for sharing these documents that we're going to photograph and put on Twitter. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what, what just happened here? I don't exactly. know if that adds up. That seems weird. Jason Chaffetz is in the house. We're having a grown-up talk about all things USA, America. Uh, the other side of this is I thought last night, with the exception of, say, Asa Hutchinson, everybody on that stage would beat Biden. Everyone. I mean, I don't know if they beat him in the general, but I'm saying if they were debating, they would look far more formidable than him. I think that's probably right. But are are we running the risk, as Trump skipped the debate, as the DNC said last night, to like, well, we can't commit to any Biden debates. Is he giving them permission? Is I mean, I don't know that Biden would get away with it, but are they going to try to not debate Biden, just given how bad he is? Come on. Biden debates himself when he walks up to that podium. I know, but what I'm saying is, listen, I've seen them shoot him up with B12 for a State of the Union. I'm convinced when he starts screaming and has these spasms of energy, that's not normal. I've seen it in other people. Okay, but that being said, I don't know that there's enough B12 in the world for a one on one two hour debate. Do you think they could have like intravenous, like, you know, have like a drip? He has it on him. He has a drip (laughs) up to the side. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Woo! I mean, he might have to because I, I don't know how they could do it. So let's go back to your theory. OK, you were the one who launched this theory on the show. We give you a lot of credit for this. You believe he's kind of running in name only. Bill Barr was on the show last week. You know what he said? He said there is no way Biden's the nominee. There's his, no way. All right. So his take was they obviously want to run against Trump. They're hoping Trump clinches the nomination and then they can just swap in some fresh faced 50 year old who's not on the way to jail. Right. Is that probably the strategy? Yeah. Uh, look, uh, I have an op ed out on Fox News dot com and it's uh, kind of five indicators that Joe Biden's not really running. Mm-hmm. My number one, I think, is a really important one. Which, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, which is uh, as of last quarter, do you know how many employees are on the Biden for Ooh, reelection this is, this campaign? Is a good metric. What is the number? Four. Four? Now, people run. fired more than that last week. (laughs) People 
People run for city council, at, you know, <laughs> in Payson, Payson, Utah, with more than four staffers. Wow, you're you're five months away from the primaries. Yeah, he didn't go to the Iowa, uh, you know, state fair. It's like you can't just blow off Iowa. He came out and did an event in Utah, my home state. Utah's great. You mm-hmm. know, we always welcome the president. Glad any president will ever show up. Mm-hmm. But you know what? He didn't go to Colorado and he didn't go to Nevada. He didn't go to Montana. You're not seriously campaigning for president if you show up in Utah. <laughs> Biden lost the state by more than 20 <laughs> points already. Let's go to all the places we lose by triple digits. I mean, we I honored know. that he would come there. No, yeah. Don't get me wrong. But if you were a serious candidate, you would be actually campaigning or or doing public events now you're you're kind of making people think i'm running because i'm going to idaho falls in montana as you know yes october 27th the helena civic center october the 28th idaho falls colonial theater i know falls is gonna love you montana too yeah i got friends in idaho falls this is good our stations out there are great so kid radio guy richard meacham who owns kid he's a fantastic guy he took us to bear world and it was the great – me, Jenny, yeah. Lincoln went to Bear where we get to feed the bears and all of that. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's outrageously good. Uh, but you can tell how much life insurance you bought by how close your wife wants you to get to the bears. She's like, no, no, you can get out of the car. No, feed them. Go take a selfie. Put your arm around them. I'm like, here, Jenny, just, what's going on? Just hold this little prime rib yeah. here right here. I'm like, Jenny, why are you looking at Lamborghinis in the classified section? What's going on here, Jenny? It's very weird. But, uh, no, I love it out there. I'm, I'm psyched to get back there. I flew um, – at your behest, because we talked about this, yes. getting flights, and we got to fly and you got to drive and stuff. So I'm flying into Bozeman for Helena. Yeah. Uh, but I'm flying out of Pocatillo. In, uh, yeah, Poca what? Yeah, Pocatillo. Did I say it wrong? <laughs> Pocatillo. We always call it Pokey. So I never know because we'd always call it Pokey because the big water tower on 15. I know it well if I'm okay, pronouncing so it Okay, so we have wrong, a place in Utah. Okay. It's H U R R I C A N E. H U R R I C A N E. C-A-N-E. And it's not, so it's called Hurricane, or is it Hurricane? It's is not it Hurricane. It's, it's not Hurricane. Right. Yeah, Hurricane, I could see that. That yeah. happens. Like, I mean, in New York, Houston Street is pronounced Halston Street. Yeah. I'm like, and, wait, where? And as a cab Houston. driver, you're looking for H-A-L-S-T-O-N for about three weeks. There are little nuances stabbed. we should probably work on before yeah. you go to Idaho. Well, yeah. we'll get there. No, I don't have to. It's you its own language. But we've talked about this. <laughs> I don't have to because they hear my accent and think I'm witness protection. They're all scared of me. They don't have to worry. I can pronounce it whatever witness way I want. Witness protection. Yeah. I can pronounce it whatever way I want. They're like, this guy's in the mob. He's killing people out here for money. I'm not worried about it. Stop it. Uh, Jason Chavis is in the house, though. We're having a grown-up talk about this. If somebody, you know, Trump tried to characterize last night as a Grand Prix to be his VP, okay, assuming Trump were to get the nomination. If the primary voting took place today, probably would. Uh, who do you think made the best case? Like, who endeared him? Scott, Haley? Well, Vivek was running oh, as, yeah, you know, I mean, he yeah, was like, absolutely. I want to be on that train. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. I don't know that some of them would even do it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, look, Donald Trump has surprised people last time by, you know, going with a Mike Pence. Well, here's a, and yeah, so, that's a yeah. good point. And I think one of their, you know, places where they would probably demonstrate some reluctance is how transactional that relationship with Pence turned. Right. You know, because he wouldn't be the president if Pence didn't consolidate like the evangelical support by selling the pro-life, which he delivered on, to be clear, with the right. with the court. I don't you're right. I don't know if people would want to stake their fortunes, uh, you know, their career fortunes on him, if only because I don't think these people, some of them would be running if they truly thought Trump could win the general. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there wouldn't be eight candidates yeah, up there if they thought that. Yeah. yeah. 
So yeah. that's a good point. So I don't know. I mean, Vivek definitely, but Vivek would be my VP, you know, if I decide to throw my hat in the ring in Helena, Montana, October 27th. I'm not saying that's going to happen. Don't <laughs> don't anyone read too much into this. <laughs> Folks, I'm going to Vegas tomorrow night to do stand-up with Kennedy. I will be disqualified from all public office by the time you see me on TV Saturday night. Yeah, but you're doing more campaigning in Nevada than, than Joe Biden is. <laughs> I'm going to be out there talking about semiconductors. It's a big, when... big venue you're going to. It's going to be a fun show. Yeah, yeah, we're pumped up. I actually really like Vegas. Like, I don't gamble, I don't drink, but, mm-hmm. you know, I have a good time in Las Vegas, and I like going to the shows. It's a great hang. I saw, I saw Donnie Osmond there. Did you? He was so nice. And visited with us afterwards, me oh, and my wife, Julie. We got to hang here. out with them afterwards. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's a great story. Jason yeah. Chaffetz sharing good vacation guy. memories on the show. Yeah, it was great. Um, I saw Siegfried and Rye right, right, right before they got eaten by the lion. Siegfried and who? Wah. I know. I'm just having Roy, fun. Roy, right? It's Wah. Isn't it? Josh, is it technically Wah? No, it's it's Roy. Oh, not like the goalie Patrick Waugh. <laughs> it's Roy Rogers. Well, he made yeah. me. He got me self conscious about my pronunciations. <laughs> it's, so it's a West Coast. It's, West, it's a Rocky Mountain. Listen, thing. I'm a cultured guy, Chaffetz. <laughs> Check with me first if you're coming out west. Jason Chaffetz's pronunciations are senior correspondent to pronunciations. <laughs> Watch him on Hannity tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Give him hell out there, champ. Will do. Back after this. The critics have spoken. You do that again and I'll break every bone in your body. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is, Fox Across America with your radio buddy Jimmy Fallow. Going to be wrapping with Tudor Dixon in the next hour. Then it's off to your TV set. I will be on Gutfeld tonight with our comedy dwarf, Greg Gutfeld. And then I'm flying out to Vegas tomorrow night at the Green Valley Ranch, me and Kennedy. And uh, Saturday night I'll be back on the East Coast to host Fox News Saturday night. But right now, you know, enough about my side hustle. Let's do some damn radio. Cameron is on the line in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Cameron. Hello, Jimmy. Hey, oh, buddy. girl. <laughs> How you doing, hot stuff? No, I know your subject is uh, uh, who won the uh, debate last night. There's only two men mm-hmm. in there, and one of them was missing. I'll go for DeSantis or I'll go for Trump, but Trump bit me in the ass last week. I mean, <laughs> last year. <laughs> I've been a lot of people. But I uh, like Nikki Haley, too. I, I support the women. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. I'm it's listening. a win or lose situation right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm a hillbilly. I'm from actually Oklahoma. Uh-huh. But I've been living in Albuquerque for 37 years. Good and man. I don't like it. But let me tell you this. If you don't mind, Jimmy. Uh-huh. Give it to me. Okay, let me hear. Okay, hold on. Let me get your word in. Mm-hmm. Oh, Give I... me a word in. Oh, I'm just, uh, you take it away, Cameron. I don't think anyone believes you're a hillbilly, though. I, no one would ever think that from listening to this conversation, but I will take your word for it. You take it away. Yeah, right. I ain't <laughs> never lost this accent. I've been in New Mexico for 30 years, and I ain't lost this accent. But anyway... Back in the day, um, there was this uh, talk show host here in Albuquerque, and I don't know if you know what he, who he is. His name was Pat, and he had a buddy, and they took in uh, 
Trump conversations. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when they said, I walked into Walmart and I could just smell the Trump supporters? Yeah, that was the FBI guy, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page. Okay. All right, Jimmy, you got it. I know you're on the ball, buddy. I can't <laughs> wait to meet you. It's coming. But anyway, I got through, and they wanted to know, the question of the day was, what does a Trump supporter smell like? <laughs> and they were saying, oh, they smell like roses. Oh, they smell like T-bones. Oh, they smell like uh-huh. daisies. Mm-hmm. I called in, and Pat asked me, so what, Cameron, do you think a Trump supporter smells like? Uh-huh. I went, I think they smell like ASS. Ooh. Is that okay? Cameron, taking it there. Why are you, why are you worked and, up about the Trump supporters? And he asked, mm-hmm. well, why do you think they smell like ass? Mm-hmm. I went, because that's what they're going to be smelling like when they're kissing mine when I vote for him. And nope. he wins. Oh, Cameron. Boom. Did they keep you on the air? Huh? Did they keep you on the air or did they run? They throw you off the phone? Oh, no. Everybody in town, because I have a distinguished voice. Not Everybody you. in town calls Damn, I heard you on the radio, Cameron. <laughs> Cameron, you could co-host with me anytime. I'm going to a commercial break, but it's an open invitation. Come by and co-host the show one day, okay, brother? The great Cameron. There he goes. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, there it is. Back in action for a big hour of Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Your home for top shelf radio in a bottom feeding political world. We are sizing up. The aftermath of the first GOP primary debate, we're talking about Donald Trump's impending surrender to Georgia police. A lot of Democrats celebrating that. It's people with a dirty mind that think like that. For sure. Uh, Tudor Dixon, not one of them. She's going to join us in this hour. She was a former Michigan GOP gubernatorial candidate debate. She was out in Milwaukee this week, spent some time with President Trump, and she's going to be weighing in on all things America. That's what we do. This show is very much the country's family meeting. Do you remember growing up, if you lived in one of those houses where you went out and rode your bike till the streetlights came on and played some tag? Or We used to play cops and robbers, or we played this game called Cowboys and Elizabeth Warrens. Uh, but the point is we'd be out running around the field, and we'd come back to the dinner table, and we'd talk to our parents and our family and our siblings about all of the things we learned in our travels. It was like Marco Polo if he had a BMX and a Ghostbusters T-shirt. That was my era. Well, in any event, I am now at the head of this radio table. I'm kind of the deadbeat dad leading the conversation, 888-788-9910, if you want to squeeze a call in between now and Tudor Dixon time. But we, of course, begin with a general you and me moment. We're continuing to a the debate. I mean, to be honest with you, if I was moderating that debate, my first question might have been Asa Hutchinson. What are you doing here? I think he's got a point. <laughs> like that being said, Brett and Martha did a phenomenal job. I've been saying that on social media. It should be said again here. They gave us what I thought was two very substantive hours. There were clashes. OK, there was some back and forth with Nikki and Vivek. Obviously, Christie got into a couple of food fights and Pence wanted to stand his ground on January 6th and stuff of that nature. But all things considered, there were some constants. 
Okay, they did talk policy. They did talk substance. DeSantis was a little boring. Uh, Tim Scott, who I love in a crowded field, didn't have an overwhelming night where he really showcased a lot of the personality we've seen on this show. But I think for guys like DeSantis and Tim Scott, they ran it between the tackles and, you know, made their policy points and shared their visions and let everybody else duke it out for sensationalism. And duke it out, they did. That was a wild melee on the stage. So y'all need to hide your kids, hide your wife, and hide your husband because they're raping everybody out here. Here's a highlight reel from just about every candidate. And uh, I got to give credit to the audio team, Josh and Mikey, for digging this one up because it wasn't easy to find something for guys like Hutchinson. Uh, I mean, even let's be honest with you, Chris Christie didn't exactly throw a perfect game out there. There's a slob. There's a real slob. But you know what? He talked a lot of smack and did what we'd expect him to do in a debate, uh, which was take a lot of tough positions and not really be mindful uh, or deferential to the mood in the room. You know, there were things Christie said that he got booed for. Uh, what you're about to hear in this montage are some of the highlights. Clip two. For a long time, we have professional politicians in the Republican Party who have been running from something. Now is our moment to start running to something. I've had enough already tonight of a guy who sounds like ChatGPT standing up here. The decline in education is one of the major reasons why our country is in decline. We need education in this country, not indoctrination. This is exactly why Margaret Thatcher said, if you want something said, ask a man. If you want something done, ask a woman. Let's fire the 87,000 IRS agents and hire or double the number of Border Patrol agents. We're not looking for a new national identity. The American people are the most faith-filled, freedom-loving, idealistic, hard-working people the world has ever known. We just need government as good as our people. One thing that I think this country could use is somebody in the White House that understands small-town values because that's our road back. Our nation is in trouble, and it's in trouble because of failed leadership. And the solution is not four more years of Joseph Biden. Tell him like it is. I'll give him credit there. Okay. Nobody, nobody in the world anywhere would be better off with four more years of Joe Biden. Come on, man. Now, don't get me wrong. If you're running a drug cartel, if you're buying influence in our government out of Ukraine or China, then yeah, absolutely. Joe Biden's your guy. Make the check out to Hunter. He should be behind bars. But in the race to replace Joe Biden... Uh, what the Republicans did demonstrate last night is they have a pretty deep bench. Okay, they have a pretty deep bench. Trump, who is holding on to about a 50-point lead, was nowhere near the debate stage. He did a, he did a uh, one-on-one interview with Tucker Carlson uh, and skipped the interview, you know, the debate entirely, uh, choosing instead to do his own thing on Twitter and, of course, now turning himself in for arrest down in Georgia. I don't honestly know that Trump has charted the best course for himself in this moment because it was a substantive debate and people were given a chance to shine. Now, the good news for Trump is what? OK, no one emerged on that stage in a manner in which they're about to dethrone Trump like his lead is safe right now. OK, the bad news is he's surrounded. I'm not going to lie to you, man. He's surrounded by a lot of people who are giving him bad advice. OK, this idea of waiting till prime time tonight to turn himself in because he wants a bigger media spectacle. What you have to understand is in the general election, when you're struggling to get the support of women and, you know, suburban voters and things of that nature, going to jail 
doesn't actually boost your appeal. That's true. That is true. You know, at a time when we're talking about law and order and the Democrats aren't getting crime under control and all these woke bail initiatives. Everything woke turns to Absolutely. And there is a dereliction of duty by our nation's prosecutors, especially some of the Soros prosecutors that DeSantis bragged about firing last night. I thought that was a great moment for him. But the truth is, as a party... Reaching out to moderates and independents and swing voters is traditionally not done through the use of criminal arrests. So I don't know that this is the winning move Trump says it is. That being said, people are so disgusted by the DOJ and would clearly looks like a political persecution when you consider the timing of this being something that he could have been charged for two years ago. Never mind that it's in the state of Georgia where Stacey Abrams has been telling anyone who would listen that her elections were stolen. Stacey Abrams is full of Absolutely. But was Stacey Abrams charged for her two-year they stole it tour? The answer would be no. Nope. Anyone give us lectures about undermining faith in democracy? The answer would be no. I mean, think about this. Stacey Abrams... Even after claiming voter suppression in Georgia when they passed the voter ID law, something Joe Biden himself decried as Jim Crow on steroids. This guy's a serious ass. Seriously. okay, but he did say that. I'm not just taking shot. Here it is. This is Jim Crow on steroids, what they're doing in in Georgia and 40 other states. Wait, wait. So seriously, we're talking about undermining faith in democracy. Joe Biden is the sitting president said a legal rule change that would require voters to show an ID was worse than Jim Crow. Okay, worse than Jim Crow, where they burnt down your house and violently attacked you. Joe Biden says this is Jim Crow on steroids. You are so full of shit. That's what he said. Okay, and to be honest with you, that should undermine faith in democracy. That wouldn't qualify as that. This is worse than what the Klan was doing. I mean, that would make me think one half of this democracy is not on the level. Stacey Abrams telling you an election was stolen. But even so, the voter law that they were trashing resulted in the highest voter turnout in the state of Georgia. Oh, wow. But understand, there was no effort made to charge them. So it very much does read like a political double standard. That being said, I don't think it's a victory for Trump to get indicted every Tuesday and Thursday. So the conversation has begun in earnest. The if not Trump, who? Okay. to be clear, there's really not an if not Trump scenario on the horizon. Okay, based on the discussions that have been taking place around this show. Okay, but the people who had the strongest nights, the Nikki Haley's of the world, she did well. Okay, you know, Scott and DeSantis did fine. DeSantis really didn't show a lot of personality. I mean, you could see if you watched it why he's been a devastatingly effective governor down in Florida. But you could also see that all of the stories about him not really connecting with people on the campaign trail are absolutely true. He really doesn't look super comfortable being a politician. You know, you don't have like the folksy charm, you know, the old story. Okay. You know, it's more along the lines of this is what we did. It was good and it worked, which is true. Okay, but if you're trying to win a popularity contest, which for all intents and purposes, you are. One of the reasons Vivek Ramaswamy has so much name recognition right now is he's doing a ton of media and he's winning the relevance battle. 
Okay, he had good moments during the debate last night. He had a couple of really forced moments where he told jokes during the crosstalk that no one heard, but he got caught laughing at his own stuff kind of disingenuously. You know, but all things considered, he was relevant, and that's a win for him, okay, because he was out there getting headlines. And in this moment, if you're DeSantis, you have been getting headlines, none of which are good. You're firing your staff. You're trending backwards. He didn't really show us anything, okay, that we didn't already know him to be, meaning forceful, meaning policy-driven, okay, but not the kind of guy that was going to charm the pants off the room. And for better or for worse, that's where we are right now. We are in charm school. Okay, let me give you, okay, a couple of takes from people whose opinions I greatly respect. Here is Ari Fleischer, who was on with Sean Hannity right after the show. I am not on Hannity tonight. I know I appear on the show every Thursday night. Tonight I'm scheduled to be on with Greg Gutfeld, our little comedy dwarf, and then I'm flying off to Vegas to the Green Valley Ranch. I'll be doing stand-up tomorrow night if anybody wants to come see me in Vegas. Saturday, I'll be back on the East Coast hosting Fox News Saturday night at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Here's Ari Fleischer summing up the night, clip 23. My job here is to tell you what I see and just call it as I see it. And I thought Ron DeSantis had the strongest night of any of the candidates on stage. He did it with his answer on lockdowns, reminding people that Florida opened early when it was controversial to do so. He did it with his answer about use of force involving Mexico and drugs. And he did it about focusing on the future instead of the past. So I thought DeSantis was real good. Second place to me was Vivek Ramaswamy. I mean, that guy, is a, he's a blunt force instrument, and he's articulate, he's fast on his feet, and he's not a politician, and that's one of the reasons he's, re- he's resonating right now. He just says what he thinks, and he says it in a forceful, blunt way. And people are sick of politicians, they're sick of Washington, and that's why Vivek did well. He did. He did well. Uh, Trump actually called him the winner of the debate. Now, there's a lot of what Vivek is doing that has people believing he's running to be Trump's VP. But the truth is he'd make a fine cabinet member for just about anybody because he's been wildly successful in the private sector and he is a good communicator. We don't know how this is going to shake out. But to be clear, okay, he won the relevance battle. Was DeSantis the adult in the room? Uh, Yes, he was. Wrong. He was, though. Okay, he because he had deliverables. Everybody's up there talking about what they're going to do. The one thing you can't underestimate with DeSantis is that he's done a lot of the things he says we need to do. Like, you understand, when he says, like, you know, I'd fire a guy like Fauci. I wouldn't let him shut us down. Okay, he didn't. He didn't stay shut down. He reopened at the time when it was wildly controversial, and at no point did he force the mandate, okay, did he for the vaccine or the mask. And unlike Trump, he never put a gold medal on Anthony Fauci. You understand where the Trump thing goes kind of sideways is, you know, It's real convenient to bash Fauci now, and every conservative hates Fauci. Like, he is the patron saint of—he was the Bud Light of doctors for a while there. Fauci's just pulling stuff out of his butt. Totally. But Trump's record is one of pulling out a medal and pinning it on Dr. Fauci during his last week in office. This could be a problem. I mean, if people are paying attention. But the truth is, when it comes to Trump, okay, people's emotions are their facts. If you hate Trump— you're not able to accept emotionally that the Mueller probe was a scam, that other people have challenged the legitimacy of elections, that he was impeached for looking into Biden's legitimate corruption in Ukraine. The people who hate Trump can't emotionally bring themselves to the reality of his full story. You can't handle the truth. For sure. But it goes the same way with the people who love him. 
Okay, Trump has made a lot of his own mess. Now, as it stands, he's in a position to clean it up because he's still leading in the polls. But there are more opportunities. And if he doesn't show up there and seal off this lead for potential challengers, you could be looking at a world legitimately where he's not the nominee. I mean, I'm just telling you that because I care. And I'm out here in the real world and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. The show that's standing up to big tech. Get those nerds! 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 You're listening to Fox Across America. There it is, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Nikki Haley is around the corner. We're talking about last night's debate. Let's Here's a Democrat take. We're going to get a Republican take in the next break. Here is Maryland Governor Wes Moore making the claim that none of the candidates spoke to the people of his state. Clip 29. The thing that, that was really, I think, really alarming for me is, you know, I'm going around the state of Maryland all the time. And I don't care what part of the state of Maryland I'm going to in Democratic areas or traditionally historically voting Republican areas. What they were saying was not speaking to them. And I'm not hearing that. I'm not hearing the conversations about national abortion bans. I'm not hearing conversations about is climate change a hoax when 70 percent of my state is water lined or water locked areas. And we see the impacts of this every single day. So they just weren't speaking to the people of my state or frankly, I'm just not sure who they're actually speaking to. Shut up. Will you shut up? OK, to be clear, the issues they were speaking to last night. Everything that was we do. We talked about border security, getting inflation under control, foreign policy. Okay, some of them spoke to climate change, and they said it was a hoax. Correct the mundo. I mean, to be honest with you, everyone, listen, you, you could hit me with some data, but the climate data is like the COVID data. It's a manufactured consensus. Scientists, if they want endowments and they want money, they go, yeah, climate change is real. It's no different than COVID. If they wanted money, they were like, yeah, somebody ate a bat with no regard for the fact that we were literally making it in the laboratory it leaked out of. No, it couldn't have come out of the laboratory where they were making it. Clearly a bat flew over, and uh, he ate it, and uh, someone ate him is what happened. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. But the scientists concurred, okay, until they could no longer concur because we had uncovered enough evidence. When it comes to climate change, the biggest evidence I have, uh, you know, is everybody telling you the world's going to end is not adhering to any of the restrictions they're trying to impose on the rest of us. They're all building beachfront mansions. Is, is, is Obama building a home in Hawaii and then Martha's Vineyard because he's just selflessly going to soak up the rising sea levels so they don't hit the rest of us? Don't be thick, all right? No, it's because he doesn't think it's happening. Okay, would John Kerry be flying around the world? We're in a climate emergency. You're in an emergency, okay? You don't wait to address the problem. If you're driving in your car and it's flaming, it comes flames coming out of the hood. You don't go, oh, well, well, we'll take it down the road a little bit further and see how this goes. No, you get out of the freaking car. You call the fire department. OK, but nobody in this case is calling the fire department. They're just scaring the audience and passing around the collection plate. Please give us money. That's all it is. So when you hear Wes Moore saying a blanket statement like that, believe me. A 40-year high in inflation affects the people of Maryland. They were speaking to an issue they care about. Lawless cities, hello, has anyone been to Baltimore? It's where SEAL Team 6 goes to get scared. Talking about throwing out prosecutors who don't target violent criminals resonates with citizens of Maryland. Gas prices now 30 cents a gallon higher than they were a month ago. 
They don't even post the prices on the pumps. They just tell you what type of sex act you've got to turn with the gas station owner to afford a tank. What the hell did you just say? The point is there are so many issues affecting every single American. Democrats target you as identity politics voters. You care about your race. You care about the climate. But what the Republicans are appealing to is all of humanity. Why? Because we're all getting screwed by the Democratic leadership. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Kind of doing the math. It's the morning after. You know when you wake up all banged up. Wallets on one side of the room. There's a receipt from some restaurant you don't remember going to. That's the morning after a presidential debate. Everything's just strewn about. Uh, Joining us now on the show is a woman who wakes up that way just about every day. Uh, She's a fan favorite on this show. Host of the Tudor Dixon podcast. Tudor Dixon is here. Hey, girl. Hey, thank you. Thank you for that. Do you relate to that intro on any level? You remember those days when you were younger? You have kids now, and I know you are, you know, feigning to be a productive member of society. But um, do you remember those where you just woke, you wake up, and it's just like, I I don't know, what went on last night? I mean, I remember debating and waking up and feeling like, okay, how did that go? And I just think that that is how the candidates are waking up today, really going back through, okay, this is what I said. How how was that received? And I think it's interesting when the world is watching, right? So you wake up the next day and you see see exactly how people felt. And and how are they going to take that once they hear the critiques of what they did? That's a great point. It's like you wake up the morning after and I just like check the text messages I sent. But in this case, all your texts have been videoed and played out to the world. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, there there went my foray into politics too. Out of the question. We move on. Uh, but it was a good show. I thought they did. I thought it was very substantive, which I appreciated. Like it wasn't, you know, they didn't spend two and a half hours figuring out what everyone's pronouns were and call it a night. They actually talked about real issues. Were you impressed with the substance? Yeah, we heard a lot about what people's plans were. And I thought that there were some key moments that some people may have not really noticed if you haven't done this and you haven't been involved in this. But there is a tendency in debates for the moderators to say, okay, let's throw out something that is pretty controversial out there. But then in the future, that can come back to harm you with the other side, with the Democrats. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there was some talk about January 6th and there was some there were some questions where they said, raise your hand if you. And I thought Ron DeSantis did a really nice job of saying, we're not kids. We're not going to raise our hands. You're not going to put us in this position because we're running for the future and not the past. Uh And I think that's where a lot of these candidates need to be. We're not running in the past anymore. We want to tell you what we want to do. I thought that was a key moment for him. Yeah. You know what's funny, Tudor, that you say that is there there's this fork in the road right now where – the Republicans have to realize because they're all trying to thread a needle. Obviously, they want to win the GOP primary you know, nomination. But at the same time, if you need to get moderates, if you need to peel off some liberal swing voters, I don't think you know you can go as far right as some of them were trying to go last night. Uh, I think like I mean, what did you think as a super pro-life person yourself? Did you think Nikki hand- Haley handled that well? I loved it. I mean, what she said, I thought was incredibly accurate. It was smart. It was caring. And I talked to her afterward and I said, I thought your abortion answer was incredible and it was handled so well. And she made such a great point to me. She said, the last thing we want as women is for women to be mad at each other 
for how you feel about this when it's not in the hands of elected, it's in the hands of the people. And she made a great point saying you have to have 60 senators. Not you, you all can stand up here all you want and pander, but you're not going to get anything accomplished because you have to have 60 senators and you haven't had that in 100 years on this issue. And that's a reality. I mean, that is just bringing people into reality. You might not like it, but that's a place you have to live. You cannot live in fantasy. No, I think it's a great point. Tudor Dixon is on the line. Is There's this feasibility issue that makes a lot of what's being said pie-in-the-sky stuff because no one ever speaks to the execution. But I also like what you said about not pitting women against each other over the issue because the truth is women hate each other for so many other reasons. They don't need one more. I mean, as sad as that is, it is true. It's tough <laughs> to be a woman because what, women are your biggest critics. And I hate to say that, but we are. And I thought that... I mean, we've seen it today, even with Nikki Haley, a lot of the women, even on our side, have come out and attacked her. And I, I get it that you attack people regardless. But I do think that there is there was a strength that she had up there last night. Mm-hmm. She was not angry. She was very measured. And she came from a place of knowledge. There were a few folks in that debate that came from a place of really deep knowledge on certain subjects. Mm -hmm. And they called out the people who didn't. And I think that that was a strong comparison. I mean, even when Pence said, we don't want a president that's too old, but we don't want a president that's too young. And I think Mm -hmm. some people got offended by that. But there is a a reality that when you are, are too young, there are things you don't know you don't know. Yeah. No, that's a great point. It's just a basic life experience thing. Well, you know, like Vivek Ramaswamy obviously is making a lot of headlines because he's, you know, winning the war for relevance in a lot of ways. But I think at the same time, he had a lot of moments last night where, you know, he said provocative big things. But I don't know that he endeared himself to people, meaning I think he's going to win in Google searches, but I don't expect his poll numbers to jump 10 points. Do you? No, I think that there were some... Uh, breakout moments for him, but I think that there was also enough of of enough moments where he felt like he was too aggressive, that he was kind of the scrappy do barking at everybody, and people went, "Well, wait a minute." I, another key point was, it's not time for on the job training. The country is in a position where we really need someone who has some experience, and I'm not saying that you want that person that is directly from the swamp that has mm-hmm. been in it for years and years. But there is a certain knowledge that you have to have about government. And some of the things he was throwing out there, if you have any type of background, you would go, well, these are just not true. There's no way that you can do that. And that's on the other candidates then to point that out. Hey, wait a minute. You can't do this. And I think some of that was lost in translation, but some of that was pointed out quite nicely. And I think he got his hand slapped a few times. There you go. Talking to Tudor Dixon, who's calling balls and strikes on the way back from Milwaukee. Um the whole takeaway for me was I'd, I don't know that if Biden is the nominee, you know, they kind of left the door open yesterday that they might not necessarily debate. You think Trump is plan- making this easier on Biden by any chance? I like I get why he wouldn't want to debate. I mean, there was nobody on that stage that Biden would have fared well against. in a de- Not even Asa Hutchinson, from what I was able to stay awake and watch while he was talking. Uh, I was not blown away. Uh, nice guy. But I still don't think on a substantive level Biden could compete with any of them. Uh, do you fear that by not showing up, Trump has kind of given Biden a free pass to skip debates? 
you know, I if he continues to do that, I think it, I think there was a reason, okay. a strategic reason for him not to go to the first one. Yeah. But if he continues to skip debates, I think it hurts him too. I don't yeah. think that helps him. I think a lot of people had moments last night where people said, ah, maybe it's time for something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. And you don't want to give away that much spotlight. I think right. over the course of time, because these people, you know, they, they sneak up and, that, and that's what happens. I think it really is. It's funny when there's this many candidates, you're really just watching American Idol because for all the takes on for real <laughs> policy. <laughs> and de- the island, but but it, I know it's no, no, it's true. I like what do you think of my theory? I proposed a theory last night that everyone should be awarded points for quality answers. And at the end of each round, you just eliminate two of the low scorers. So if you start off with eight candidates by the end of the debate for like the last 20 minutes, it's down to like two people and someone actually could be declared the winner. Uh, do you think that would ever catch on or no? I mean, I think that. That's an interesting idea, but people are ultimately going to say we've got to follow what the American people want, and they don't want people calling in and voting. Tudor like Dixon. That on a no, I don't want them show. calling in and voting. I meant the judges. I mean, I didn't mean I didn't mean it like that. I didn't know. I'm not proposing like a talent show. Although Vivek has rapped and played tennis, you know. I know. Uh, I, and honestly, that was a risky move to yeah. go out there and be posting. I'm my burpees, my mm-hmm. tennis, and honestly, I will say that I have a complaint about any politician who goes out there shirtless. I think that it is a weird thing to do. Yep. It's something women can't do. So on the fairness level, I'm not. Hey, okay hey, hey, it. hey, they're but, welcome to do it around here anytime they want. Let's, but yeah. but in all honesty, I, it's a very vulnerable place to see a politician and someone who you think is going. I, that's why I didn't like to see Joe Biden on the beach shirtless. No. It makes you look at the person and say, they're vulnerable. Yes. I don't like to see you half naked. It is weird. Especially in Biden's case, because it's like the world's on fire and our president's literally uh, taking a nap. And the guy has a C cup, if we're being honest. I don't need to see the president's C cup breast. <laughs> like, honestly, no, Tudor, that's when I've been ranting about that for like two weeks. It's projecting such a weakness to the world that we yes. have this guy in his, his bathing suit just doddering around on a beach. It's like, if you could go do that, but I think that event should be off limits to the public i'm with you on that how about that can we get that amendment passed no i can i really i think it should just be it should just be known i mean that's one of those things that's it's an unspoken rule right you Mm -hmm. don't go out there and and walk around like you you have no cares in the world and you're retired you're a retiree on the beach with the other folks that are going back to the home afterwards i mean (laughs) <laughs> and it makes it, it, it makes people nervous about the economy when they see Biden walking the beach with the metal detector looking for change. <laughs> oh, no. This isn't good, Tudor Dixon. It's not good. Uh, but on, on the whole, I, I thought I did think it was a good show. Um, you know, let, let me give you a DeSantis take. I think he's uh, he's got a lot of deliverables as the governor of, of Florida. And I think he does a good job speaking out on behalf of his own policies. But did they just tell him not to smile? Because I didn't think he exhibited any warmth. And I think that stuff matters, like, to to people who don't know you. I mean, did you see any warmth? Because I didn't. No, it's critical that it, that was a moment. Last night was a, a pivotal moment for him. He had to come out and he had to be likable. Mm-hmm. And he was yelling, yelling yep. more. I mean, the, the initial when you come out and you see DeSantis and then you go to Chris Christie and Chris Christie seems calm. It's like, <laughs> what is that is a weird contrast. And 
So you're right. He didn't. He tried to force the smile a couple of times, and then that became those became like memes. You know, people were like, yeah, "Oh, yeah. look at this! is very uncomfortable." And so, but you know, I talked to him afterwards too, and he was so relaxed and he was so different. And I'm like, "Why is that not coming through on the debate stage?" But it seems like he feels like he has to be like, "I'm going to stand in the way. I'm a military guy. I'm going to be tough." We want to see all angles of you. We want to see the dad part of you that cares, and we want to see the tough guy. But we're only seeing the tough guy, and that's hard to break through, and that's the only one you're getting. You don't know who you're hiring for the job. That's a great point, Tudor, is like the biggest knock on him so far is that he's been an effective governor, but he doesn't. people don't connect to him. And it's like they got out there last night, and they're like, I'll show you. I'll connect even less. I was like, what's happening? I, mean, I talked to him last night, and, and I, he said, you know, i got to tell you, during COVID, there were a lot of people from Michigan that didn't necessarily move to Florida, but they were coming just to escape. And I said, yeah, like one of them's named Gretchen Whitmer. And he laughed and he <laughs> he was just like, yeah, you're right. Your own governor came to my state to hang out, you know? Whitmer. So I mean, he's like a normal guy behind the scenes, but he's struggling to portray that when he's on camera. God, that's nuts. We have to, we, we have to like, we have to hang out with him. Like, you know, you know, like we hung out in the green room one night with your frisky mom. I know. That's what I'm like. We're going to have to get. Governor DeSantis to come and chill with us and put that on tape. No, it's true, because if you can get the guy, because that's the hook. It's like, and this is Trump's superpower, is the fact that, like, people have outgrown carefully curated political sound bites. You know how we live in, like, a direct-to-consumer world now where people just want to click on it and watch it? Like, that's the appeal of Trump, is every word out of his mouth is direct-to-consumer. There's, no, there's absolutely no filter. And I'm not saying you have to get as out there as he goes from time to time. But you have to at least look human. And, you know, that's a Biden. That's a Biden advantage. I mean, now he looks too human and he looks frail, but he always had like a folksy charm where he could tell a story. He's just at a place now where he doesn't know where to put them. And he's telling people whose houses burnt down that he almost lost his vet and his cat, you know, which is a little weird. And we even but we even heard that last night. We heard some of the candidates trying to tell personal stories that connected. Like I met a person who was this and they they just fell flat. And so that. That is it's sort of one of those things that you either have it or you don't. And there are candidates that are trying to portray it. I mean, I think Vivek has done that to Mm -hmm. a certain extent where he's like the guy that's just going to come out and not worry about the media. And he's just going to say anything. But some of us are like, okay, even in our own personal lives, there are people like that that we're like, stop talking just for a minute. (laughs) Let us talk. You know what else we need? You know, so they have the bell, the bell that rings people when they go over their time. We actually just need the Oscars orchestra. Because people don't ne- – they don't necessarily stop talking at the bell. So what if you just kept the br- – brought up the orchestra? You know what I'm saying? Louder and louder. Let's now talk about it. I'm telling you, Tudor. Uh, if we're not moderating the next debate, it's a crime. Exactly. Um, exactly. Great hang, girlfriend. We'll be in touch soon, okay? Okay, sounds good. Thank you. You're the best. There she goes. The legendary Tudor Dixon, uh, an absolute fan favorite on the program. Now get her out. Get her out of here. The show that sees through the bullet. My response is right, you know, and the stripper really likes you. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Bottom of the ninth on Fox Across America, taking my talents over to Gutfeld tonight. With our lovable comedy dwarf, Greg Gutfeld, the king of late night. I will be on that panel this evening. And then I'm heading to the Aeropuerto, heading out to Las Vegas, Nevada, 
where I will be appearing at the Green Valley Ranch tomorrow night. Going to be an absolute banger. There's a handful of seats still available. If anybody wants to come meet me in the K-Train Saturday night back on the East Coast, I'll be on TV with Lawrence Jones. I will, of course, be hosting Fox News Saturday night at 10 p.m. Going to be a big one. I will end today's show with one of my favorite moments from the end of yesterday's show. Here was Martha McCallum asking Chris Christie about UFOs. Clip five. Now for something uh, a little out of this world, and this is for you, Governor Christie. Do you believe that the recent spike in UFO encounters... (laughs) I get the UFO question? Yeah, you do. Come on, man. We've been hearing a lot of testimony in Congress, and people are taking this a lot more seriously, and we're hearing that, you know, there are things going on that people aren't aware of. So, if you were president, Governor Christie, would you level with the American people about what the government knows about these possible Look, Martha, and especially coming from a woman from New Jersey, I I think it's horrible that just because I'm from New Jersey, you asked me about unidentified flying objects and Martians. Um, We're different, but we're not that different. (laughs) I got a kick out of that. I like the Jersey joke, but I love that Martha went there because this is the thing. UFOs is not a policy issue. But it is something we've had Navy whistleblowers come forward and testify under oath that they've seen. Does that mean that they're definitely out there? For all we know, it could be technology the military possesses that we don't know about. You know, it could be anything. It could be a gazillion things. But the fact that she was willing to go off the grid a little bit and ask a question that a lot of people have a genuine curiosity in is just something I appreciate because you get a chance to see human reactions from people. I promise you, Christy was not prepping last night for a UFO question. There's no way he was, you know. When you're right, you're right. And you're right. And stuff like that is fun. And it also showcases that this is the fun side of the conversation. When you look at politics right now, who would you rather hang out with? The Murica crowd, as they call it out in St. Louis, Murica. Or the America crowd that they call it in the D.C. swamp or on the coasts. Okay, you know you want to hang out with Murica because they're having a damn good time everywhere they go. Freedom! Okay, the best people to hang out with. There's going to be beer. You're going to shoot stuff. There's going to be fireworks. Okay, all kinds of chicks and Daisy Dukes and bikini tops. Hubba, hubba. Okay, you're going to go out to the America crowd on the coast and they're going to yell at you for cultural appropriation for serving guacamole and not being of Mexican descent. You're like, would you just shut up? Just pass me the chips already. The whole point of being alive is to have fun. And if you want to have some with us tonight, turn on Gutfeld. 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, I will be on the couch. I'm off to Vegas after that. You will see me back on your television Saturday night with Lawrence Jones in the 9 p.m. hour. And then I am hosting at 10 p.m. This is not a drill, folks. It's the real thing. Get your game face on. The show is over. Be a Republican. Be a Democrat. Be a Libertarian. Be an Independent. All I ever ask is that you don't be a... Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.